Well, good morning, church family. So good to see you this week, this Sunday. I was going to say this weekend, but I only saw you today. Good, good to have you. Good, good morning. Um, if you are guests visiting us, visiting us this morning, name is Brandon Ziski, the lead pastor here. Um, we want to do something because scriptures tell us in Romans 13, verse 7, to show honor or to give honor where honor is due. And this is Memorial Day weekend. And so truly we want to show honor to those who gave, as Abraham Lincoln said, the last full measure of devotion to our nation. We want to respect that. We want to express our gratitude for those. And the reality is, as we reflect on what they gave over this weekend, their courage and their bravery really ought to inspire us to live a life with such purpose. Also, so we want to remember the families of those who are um, processing and even grieving again the loss of a loved one due to their service. But also we want to honor those um, here with us this morning who have served who, or who are serving presently in the military in any form or fashion. So if you have served or are serving, would you please stand so we can show you honor this morning as well. We are thankful for your service and your sacrifice. And church, I want to say, as followers of Jesus, we're also called to live such lives as well. As we are to follow Jesus, we are to be willingly, freely to give our last full measure of devotion to the gospel of Jesus. So let's be reminded this morning that we are to be living for him in his gospel as well. This morning, we are blessed to have with us um, a great family, a dear friend and brother, a pastor and a mentor of mine, a Pastor Charles from Rwanda. Um, come on up, sir. Yep. So Pastor Charles is the, the founder of African New Life Ministries, which we've been partnering with. He's also the, the founder of New Life Bible Church, kind of working partner in tandem with each other. Um, and I have been so blessed to know this man personally for the last five years. He has poured into me, he has texted me, he has messaged me just to pray with me. It's been so encouraging. And I am so incredibly grateful that the Lord caused us to cross paths, to partner together in the gospel, to see lives changed. And so it's truly, truly such an honor. But before I let him to uh, share God's word, I wanted to ask a few questions. Could you give us an update on what's happening presently with Nagatari? Wow. Uh, in Nagatari, we've just got the building permit. So as I speak, this coming month, we're going to start the construction of church number three by Austin Ox yeah. in Rwanda, in Nagatari. That's so awesome. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you just can't imagine it. That's church number three. That's really big. And these are really big churches. Mm -hmm. You are talking about churches of 600 people. So yeah. they are not shanty small churches, yeah. but they are significant churches in the community. Yes. Yeah, so what's significant about this church in Nagatari? Uh, the significant thing about the church in Nagatari, Nagatari is a growing community that's becoming more urban. Most likely the children we are sponsoring in Nya, 
uh, no, in uh, the, the other community, the first one in Karangazi. In Karangazi. Yeah. Yes, there are so many Nyagatari and Karangazi. <laughs> As they grow up, they are actually going to move to work in that community. Okay, so basically we are setting up ourselves and we are setting up another church where these kids are able to move. That same city has a university and we are so privileged to have the opportunity to reach out the university students in the city. So basically it's becoming the main city in the northeast or the eastern part of Rwanda and it's really exciting to step into that area. The thing I want you to remember, we've had... We have a real need of church, not in terms of just people, but church buildings. A few years ago, a number of churches were closed. They were closed because they did not fulfill the standards. So Nyagatare is one of those places where churches were closed, and now we are providing a brand new church in that community yeah. for the people. That's so awesome. Man. It- in Austin Oaks, like, I, I want to encourage you to make the connection that when we give financially to these church plants, this isn't just like, hey, we're just going to give some money to something. It's like we are partnering with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're just doing it across the ponds. Lives are being changed. Communities are being transformed. Families are being elevated. And it's because of this beautiful partnership that we get to be part of. And so Pastor Charles, I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about the significance of this Sunday. It's a dream Sunday where there's going to be an opportunity for us as a church to sponsor some of the kids, specifically in Nagatari. And also there are some other kids that are part of the two other locations where we planted churches as well. And so... um, Just be on the lookout. You're going to get some information in a few weeks about when the next trip to Rwanda will be. And it will be taking a group from here and will be part of the celebration opening of the church in Nagatari. So if you want to go, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, But without further ado, I want to pray for you. you. And I want to pray for us to receive what the Lord would have for us this morning. Lord, we are honored to be able to be here Underneath your, your grace, your mercy, your presence, your goodness. Lord, thank you that you saved us. Thank you that you came for us. Lord, I ask that you would give Pastor Charles your words this morning. I pray that you would soften our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for our brother and our friend and pastor, Pastor Charles. We ask that you would bless him and his wife, Florence, during their time here. Pray that it would be a rich time of celebration with family that, they're, that they get to visit with. And Lord, I just pray that when they go back to Rwanda, their spirits would be filled, would be ready to do what it is that you're calling them to do. But for now, Lord, we eagerly expect to hear from you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, good morning, everybody. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be here. Um, what is actually happening between New Life and Austin Oxy is amazing when you think of partnerships. We've had a, this partnership for a number of years, but in the last five years, God allowed us to take a direction we never thought before. And three churches planted it. And those churches are actually being attended, and God is bringing so many people to find hope, 
children are being sponsored in those communities. Because African New Life is about the two hands of the gospel, preach the gospel, but reach out compassionately for those who are suffering in the community, especially children. So as we speak, Karangazi, Nyamirama, and now Nyagatare, more kids are going to be sponsored, and that's beautiful. But let us look at this way. Much of the mission's work for a number of years has been from the U.S. Now, we have missionaries from New Life, Ale and Linka, uh, here with you for some time. And that is, that, that is true partnership. There's something happening that's biblical, that's of God, happening in our midst, and we are having a true partnership in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, today, I want to bring a message, a message I need, a message I have needed. In fact, the message I have has a very clear title, and the message is, Say Goodbye to Worry. So basically, nothing hidden about the message is coming direct to you. And it's saying, say goodbye to worry. Now, the message I'm going to preach, I want to preach it with a lot of humility because what I'm telling you is what I also need. It's like I am preaching to you what I need. Actually, I found out that many times God tends to give me a message for others, but actually it's the message I also need. And the bit of that, you can preach from the heart because you need it just like anybody out there. So chances are that you regularly experience some level of worry, some level of anxiety, a sense of concern, a sense of disquiet and possibly stress in your life. We all experience it in many, many ways. Now today, I want us to make this our goal. At least today, before you leave the house of God, best on the word of God and the scriptures and how the spirit of God speaks to us, will you put down one major concern in your life and just pull it down. Just like you go and pull down a banner and put it down and say, I am done with this. I know we have so much going on, but at least my goal is that you pull out, you pull down one, one. And let me tell you why you need to pull out at least one, maybe two, maybe three, depending on how much God give, grace God gives you. You know, worrying is, is dangerous. In fact, there are three problems of worrying that worrying itself causes its own problems. Number one, worrying will not change your circumstances. And that's the truth out there. It does not change your circumstances. So look at your circumstances. The worrying does not change your circumstances. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 25 to 31, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about um, the rest? Let us bisect this. One of the greatest commodities with high value in life is called time. Time 
is very important. You don't want to miss time. You don't want to be late. You don't want to lose time. But the Bible says, worrying can't even redeem time. Can't even redeem time. In other words, worrying does not create any more time for us. It wastes the brain that would actually use the current time you have to catch up with life. Worry doesn't create or provide any creativity, and it does not bring change. And also worry can't control the future. It's nothing you can control. In fact, someone said To worry about something you cannot change is stupid. Change it. Either way, don't worry. Number two, second problem of worrying. Worry damages our faith in God and our view of God. And this is very important. Let me break it down. The health of your faith in God is your direction in life. In other words, if you have a healthy relationship with God, I promise you, you have direction in life. If you don't have a healthy relationship with God, we all go through this in moments of life when we wander off and we don't have a healthy relationship with God. But lack of a healthy relationship with God actually damages our faith. But let me also go on. The lack of, uh, the health of your faith in God is your direction in this life, is what you do with your life, and it affects everything, including your physical, emotional well-being, the quality of your relationships, your quality of your work, your destiny, your faith in God is your greatest power in the soul. So if you have faith in God, It's like you have power in your soul. But then this is what worry and anxiety does. It damages our faith in God and our view of God. How does it damage our view of God? By blaming God, we damage our faith. By doubting God, we damage our faith. By doubting God's love and concern for us, damages us in every way. We serve a God who cares. We serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who is in charge of what is happening in our lives every day. Good or bad, our God is still on the throne. And basically what worry and anxiety does, comes in, sneaks into our lives, and dethrones Jesus from our hearts and takes on the throne. But listen to what the Bible says. Psalms 91, verse 4 to 5. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings, you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampant. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by night. That's God. That's what God says. That's, that's, our, that's, that's the right view of God. In other words, that's how you want to see God. 
And most of the times, the way you see God, the way you perceive him, is the way the Spirit of God works in your life. And if you keep seeing the goodness of God, even in the middle of the challenges and trouble and sickness and hardship and whatever you are going through, I want to tell you God finally will come for you. Because in those moments, see, whatever you are going through becomes something that strengthens your faith in God instead of what breaks your faith in God. So our response to what we are going through is so critical. Number three, the problem of worrying is that worrying is harmful. And we have some doctors here in the house, some medical people. You know how this can be damaging. It actually damages you in and out. It can cause you to age prematurely, okay, because it's actually damaging you. So being calm is good for our hearts. Being calm is good for our hearts. I don't know you, but for me, being calm is good for my heart. It's good for my heart. It's good for my brain. It's good for my brain. Whoa, it's good for my stress levels. It's good for my stress levels. It's good for your life. Actually, excessive worrying and high anxiety that goes on and is solved. Some doctors, doctors tell us it's going to, it kind of destroys our lives. It causes heart attacks, digestive disorders, muscle tension. You know, a number of things can happen. So what do we worry about? We worry about to money. Money seems to be number one out there of the thing we worry about. We worry about relationships. Those are really important. How we relate to our parents, how we relate to our children, how we relate to our friends, how we relate to our neighbors, how we relate to people who are different from us. We worry about our marriages for us who are married. We worry, we worry, we worry about our children, man. But this is the truth. Worry does not change your circumstances. It damages your faith in God. And let me tell you, it's harmful and it damages you. So in the next few minutes I have, I want to talk about how to cure worry. How do we deal with it in the right way? You know, uh, I really believe that possibly this is the, the best cure we have out there. The interesting thing is that God tends to be simple. Did you realize that? God tends to be simple. God is not complicated. He's simple. I have sometimes had God speak to me only in one word. And that word, God speaks, which comes with a lot of simplicity, actually solves a ton of problems in my life. It seems that we've turned into so many things in our generation, in our culture, to deal with worry and concern and anxiety. For some people, they, they, they turn to alcohol. For some people, they turn to drugs. For some people, they just make a choice to become weird so they can become comfortable. 
You know, we, we, we've turned into things that don't actually provide solutions. It's like every morning we need more to be able to find some kind of sanity, but we become more insane. So there is a simple way. Number one, trust in God's sovereign goodness over your wholesome life. And I want to stand here to declare that our God is sovereign. And you know, we rarely preach about the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. That God is sovereign. We have faith in a God who is able. We have faith in a God who can and who will and who wants to help us. We have a God, a God who is in control and not out of control. Presidency can be out of control. Nations can be out of control. Parents can be out of control. Let me tell you, everyone, everyone can be out of control, but God has never been out of control for a second. He's a sovereign God. There are things in life that shall never change. There are things and something that will never change is actually our relationship with our God. He's sovereign. He knows better. I said he knows better. The Bible says in Isaiah, I love this, Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10, and it says, remember the former things. Those of long ago. In other words, reflect. Have a moment to reflect. Get, get a little bit normal. Come back. Have a moment to reflect. And he says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no other. I am in charge. There is no other. Let me tell you. The scientists are not in charge. God is in charge. Even the producers of COVID are not in charge. God is in charge. Whatever happened, God is in charge. Our best people out there making amazing things and creating amazing things, they are not in charge. God is in charge and he says I am God and there is no other and friends let me tell you I'm grateful that there is no other God he is the only God worthy to be worshipped worthy to be praised and worthy to be honored what if there was another God what if some kind of a human being was a God man who'd be in trouble We'll be in trouble. Only our God never changes. And he says, I am God. There is no other like me. And he says, I make known the end from the beginning. In other words, nothing is a coincidence, an accident before me. And I like this. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all I please. And let me tell you, the purposes of God for our lives are the best. The purposes of God are the best. Number two, how do we cure? Number one, we need to trust in the servant of God. Like, calm down. God, I trust you. I don't understand. 
and I actually don't understand because I even don't know what will happen tomorrow. I don't understand, but I know you do, and I'm happy you are in charge, and I'm happy you are my God, and I'm happy I've got to know you. But number two, we need to learn to follow the good shepherd. We need to make a step closer, okay? Yes, you want to have faith in God, but more than having your faith in the sovereignty of God, you also want to come closer. Because the far away you go from him, actually the more you become anxious and worry. But the more you come closer to him, the more you find the peace and comforting. So I want to remind you that he is our good shepherd. In Psalms 23, which is my favorite psalm, the Bible says, the Lord is my what? My shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's personal. He's my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He lets me rest. God gives me rest. He leads me where? Beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Human strength fails. He renews my strength. He guides me on along the right path, bringing honor to his name. In other words, my entire life, your entire life is meant to bring honor to God's name. Whatever you are going through is meant to bring honor to God's name. So what does a shepherd do? Number one, a shepherd provides. A good shepherd provides. He provides food. God provides food. Now, for many of you Americans, when we talk about the whole idea of providing food, you don't get it. Because this country has so much food. I mean, there's so much food in this country that when we talk about God providing food, some people just don't get it. In fact, a younger person was asked, what was your shock the first time you arrived in America? He said, what shocked me in America is too much food. There was food everywhere, and I was eating and eating and eating. But let me tell you, he provides shelter. In other words, God provides basic necessities to the sheep. So if I was preaching to children in Rwanda, I would emphasize this because many of them go hungry without a meal, without food. And for you sponsor children, you know this, you buy food for them online. I would say Jesus loves you so much that he provides food for you. Now, that is simplistic to an American who has food in the fridge. But this is important. A shepherd protects. We all need his protection. In other words, he defends us against our enemies and those who want to harm us. Who doesn't have enemies? We all have enemies. Real enemies and presumed, uh, assumed enemies. Enemies who don't exist. But then, did you know that? We have real enemies and we have enemies that are imaginary. Because somehow we want to feel insecure. But let me tell you, God protects us. A good shepherd guides us. I don't know you. We all need guidance at a moment in life. Should I take righty? Should I take lefty? 
Should I continue with what I am doing? Should I take a stop? What God do you want to do in my life? I have good news for you. Our God is a good shepherd, a good shepherd who guides us in all our circumstances. He doesn't only guide us, he also corrects us. And a problem that comes along, because sometimes even with this guidance, we get off and he fixes us. The amazing thing is this, God has promised to do these four things in your life. If you trust in him, if you tell him that he is your shepherd, he says, I will provide for you, I will protect you, I will guide you, I will correct every problem in your life if you make me your shepherd. Now listen to this. This is a beautiful verse for mothers. Uh, it is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. And I love the living translation because the language is much easier for me there. He says he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Now listen, look at the lusty part. He will feed his flock like a shepherd, so he takes care of us. He will carry the lambs in his hands, holding them close to his heart. But look at that last part. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. In other words, he will take care of the mother sheep and the lambs. Now, I have a wife and mine. We have children. And I, I, I don't know anybody in the world who worries about our children than, than her. And mothers are made to be like that. You can see a mother down here. Mothers are made to be like that. They care. But let me tell you, mothers, Jesus is your shepherd. And he's also the shepherd of your little lambs. In other words, Jesus takes care of the mother sheep. And he takes care of the baby ships. He takes care of everybody. He is a good shepherd. So what is the problem here? Why are we worried? Yes, we've not made him our shepherd. For many of us, he's our savior. He's our Lord. He has delivered us from hell and all these messages we've heard. But let me tell you, he's just more than a God who has delivered us from the power of sin. He delivers from us from the power of sin and he also takes care of us daily. He is our shepherd. He, he needs to be both your Lord and your shepherd. For those who haven't made him their shepherd, it's because they have little faith in the shepherd. And many times we come in and play church, sing, listen to a message, and go home. That's why I told you we must today make a decision. How will you respond to this message? Will you make a decision today to do away with one worry in your life? Put it down. Leave it in the house of God. Friends, that's the purpose of coming to church. But when you come to church, you must go home different. So if there's anything I'll do today is to do whatever I can do to make sure every one of you goes home different. 
You leave all your worries and concerns right here at the cross. You're worried because you have a problem of control. That sounds like me. You want to control yourself, your destiny, and whatever you want. And that's a problem. We want to be in control. But number four, how do we cure this worry? Let me talk to you about this issue. Make a prayer a daily practice in your life. Can I repeat that? Make prayer a daily practice in your life. Now, if I, have, if I was to ask a, a question here, how many of you prayed this morning when you, wake up, you woke up? Don't put up your hands because we may actually embarrass some people. Like, okay, just walk up, put on your garments, and go. Life was not made to be like that. Life was made to constantly have a relationship with God. Because that continued relationship with God is what comes in our lives. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 55 verse 7, in evening and morning and noon, three times, I will pray, cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. In other words, prayer is powerful in terms of daily management of your life. Because you want your life anchored every day. Okay, this is discipleship 101. Okay, you've come to Jesus. Now you want your life anchored in a relationship with your God. How do you prove that you have a relationship with God? You have a conversation with him. And because you have a conversation with him, God is working in your life to help you live above the challenges of this life. Let me tell you, there is nothing that happens in this world God doesn't know. But what God has done, he has provided a way for us to live above. Let me tell you, everyone has problems. In fact, I used to think it's poor people have problems. Sometimes poor people have less problems, and rich people have much more problems. Sometimes there are problems of just managing the money they have. Oh, there are problems of managing their relationships with their friends and their money and their children and their relatives because, about, because of money. So everyone has problems, but God has provided a way. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the noon, I'll come to him, I'll pray, and he shall hear my voice. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about what? Can we write the list? Write 20 of them, 30 of them, 100 of them. He says, don't do what? Be anxious over what? Anything. But in every situation, do what? Pray. Pray when? In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Pray. Make your petition with what? With thanksgiving. Be grateful for what he has done. In other words, be joyful. Be grateful. A friend of mine said, joy is one third of God's kingdom. 
Joy is one third of God's kingdom. So present your requests to God. Now, I love, like I told you, I love the simple verses, the simple Bibles, like the message, like living it translation. King James was too hard for me. You know, when I became a believer at 17, um, missionaries had given a, a King James Version Bible to my pastor. So my, pipe, my pastor gave me a King James Version to read. It was so hard. Those serpents and they does and do was really difficult. But that was the only English Bible we had on our village. And I was learning English in King James. So when I saw the message, I said, yes, finally, I can understand. So in Philippians, in the message, it says, I think I put it there. In the message, it says, don't get flee to worry. Instead of worrying, do what? Pray. That's very clear. Instead, pray. And then it says, let petitions and praises shape uh, let, let, let petitions and praises shape your worries into what? Prayer. In other words, recreate your worries into prayer. And then he says, let God, let God know your concerns. And then he, finally, let God know your concerns. And he says, before you know, before you do what? You know. Before you can even wake up, a sense of God is wholeness. Everything coming together for what? For good will come and do what? And settle you down. I need to be settled down. Settle you down. It is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful what happens when what? When Christ represses worry at the center of your what? Of your life. Christ represses worry. That's what we all need. In other words, we all need Jesus. We need Christ. We need the Son of God. We need He, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins at Calvary. Buried, rose from the dead, overcame every form of concern, including death, and gave us victory. We need Jesus. First Peter 5 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He does what? He cares. Literally, casting means and do what? And the Lord. The Greek word literally means drop it, unload it. And then number four, the last one, make longer term plans but live one day at a time. Now, this is for my American friends because my American friends believe in planning. I believe in planning. Okay? So, in other words, when we say trust God, we don't say don't plan. But this is how you plan. Make long term plans but live one day at what? At the time, this is today you worried about yesterday. Who is like me? I was worried about this day a few years ago, okay? So don't open up your umbrella till the rain begins to rain. Don't. Because for many of us, we have all these opening umbrellas before the rain begins to happen. Therefore, God has put it in little bite-sized pieces. He gives it to us in one little 24-hour increment at a time. Live one day at a time. And our last verse today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. What does it say? Matthew, it says, give us today our daily bread. Live your life one day 
at a time. Plan for 2,000 years, but live your life in increments. Okay, I'm not saying don't plan, but don't be overcharged. Or, or, or don't be in over, over controlling. May God help us to surrender to him. And at this moment, I want to ask all of us to stand up. And as we stand up, I want to ask you, to surrender something to God. To actually do some practice here. Like surrender something to God. You have so much going on in your life. For some of you, it is telling God, today I want to start living one day at a time. Give us today our daily bread. And I want to encourage you, possibly because you have food in the fridge... To put there, give us today our daily bread and your bread to be your life. Give us today our life. Help us live our life today. Help us live our life today. Let's pray. God, we come before you. If you are there, you're really struggling with some things in your life. I really believe that this word is for you. God wants to help you. And God says, just give it to him. We call that faith. Put your faith in God and just give it to God. Say, God, I want you to be in charge. And let me tell you, that's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. You're going to get out of this place praising God better than you came. Because you've chosen to give him that relationship that's messed up. You've chosen to give him those finances that are broken. You've chosen to give him your own broken life. You're saying, God, here is my life mended. For someone today, it may be giving your life to Jesus and saying, yes, to Jesus, I make a choice to follow you. Father, I come before you. I pray for someone here who doesn't clearly understand you as a good shepherd. Will you draw them in? Father, I ask you this morning to take away burdens and concerns on our hearts by bringing a peace which no man can bring because you do bring peace. You do take care of us. God, I pray over this entire congregation and I ask that the blessing of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of God, will work in their lives and bless them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you.